Hello, fellow Rebel Capitals. Hope you're well. So everybody is out there talking about how there is not going to be a recession. Even Jerome Powell is coming out and saying there is never going to be a recession again as long as you live. <laughs> Just like Janet Yellen said back in whenever that was, 2016 or 2017. So I'm starting to call this group of people the No Recession Bros. I think it's very appropriate. But there is one thing they're forgetting. Well, there's multiple things they're forgetting. But I want to go over to an article from Michael Leibowitz, and he's partners, I believe, with Lance Roberts, who does a lot of content with my good buddy Adam Taggart over at Wealthion. And this is one of the, the best, one of the most, uh, I think, persuasive arguments I've seen in a long, long time. And what they bring up is the lag effect. And you and by the way, their website here is realinvestmentadvice.com. Now they can say that because they're licensed professionals. This is not investment advice from me. Let me be very clear. <laughs> I'm just I'm just telling you their URL. So um, this is one thing, and I know we did a story on this last week, Josh. Remember when we were talking about uh, the guy from the Wall Street Journal? That's basically the mouse mouthpiece for the Fed. He came out in that article arguing how there's not going to be a recession. And I went over that just so we could understand kind of the other side of the debate. And one of the things that he said is that this lag has already played out. We've already seen the lag effect and it hasn't done anything. And I said, that's ridiculous to think that the Fed's most recent interest rates have already filtered through the economy. It just doesn't line up with history. And Michael Leibowitz in this article points that out. In fact, he, he gets down into the nitty gritty with the data and tells us just how long it usually takes for the Fed interest rate hikes to impact the economy. So let's go through this. I think you're going to find this fascinating. The first thing, and again, the, the title of the blog post is the lag effect unveiled. First thing I highlighted, changes in interest rates only impact new borrowers including those with maturing debt with, with uh, who must reissue debt to pay back investors of the maturing bonds. So here I, I would, uh, yeah, directly. But I think there are a lot of indirect effects that impact people that uh, don't have to borrow, such as if you've got a 30-year fixed rate mortgage, you could say, well, these higher interest rates don't impact you. Uh, yeah, but they do if you have to sell your house because those buyers are going to have to pay higher interest rates. Therefore, they're not going to be able to afford a higher price that you could otherwise charge. So especially when so much of the overall wealth is, uh, is concentrated in home equity, I think th this does matter in an indirect way. That's the bottom line here. Okay, moving on though. Accordingly, higher rates do not impact those with fixed rate. Okay, we just talked about that. <laughs> the lag effect occurs due to the time it takes for the new debt issuance to bear enough weight on the economy to slow it down. So this is something I, I completely agree with. Uh, the graph below shows the Fed funds rate and the time as measured in months from the last in the series of rate hikes preceding each recession since 1981. This is fascinating. This is such a cool chart. And Michael tells us kind of the punchline here, the average delay between the final rate increase and recession has been 11 months. Now, let's keep in mind, and the next story that we go over today is going to be on the CPI. We had the new data come out this morning, 
And I'll give you a quick spoiler alert. It was higher than expected. So I think the probability of the Fed increasing rates has gone up as well. But we're going to save that for the next video. Getting back to this chart, though, it let's start at 1991. So when the Fed stopped hiking rates, six months later, the recession hit. In early 90s, 15 months. Dot-com, eight months. GFC, 17 months. And Cerveza sickness, 10 months. So that's where he's getting that 11-month mark. And he's also pointing out that assuming that the Fed, the, their last rate hike was July 2023, which who knows, it, it, it might not be, that would peg us for the official recession to start June 2024. So I could point to a lot of other charts and a lot of other metrics, a lot of other data that would say the recession is going to happen sooner. That's as an example, usually it happens about 18 months after the yield curve inverts. So that would be a long time. That would be uh, before June 2024. I mean, that would peg us probably at the beginning of 2024, like January, February, something like that. So there's a, a lot of uh, uh, noise, so to speak, within the data. But I think you should look at history and look at all of these data points to come to a conclusion as to what the probabilities are and when this will likely unfold. The next thing I've got highlighted right under the chart, this so-called lag effect is even more pronounced when rates are very low for extended periods of time before the rate hikes. So that's interesting. And uh, we're going to get into why in just a moment. But just to reiterate here, he says the lag effect is more pronounced when rates were very low, such as what we've had from 2010 to 2020 or 2021, basically zero. Uh, so when you have periods where the rates are very low like that, then the lag effect is more pronounced. In other words, it takes a longer time for the Fed interest rate hikes to impact the economy. So based on that, you could say, okay, if the average is 11 months, well, now it might be 13, 14, 15. But again, you'd have to look at the other data points to come to a complete, uh, to come to, to have the whole picture, I think is the best way to say it. Okay, so Fed uh, federal interest expense. So they're talking about how this impacts the government uh, more quickly because so much of their debt is short term and they have to roll that over. They do not have a 30 year fixed rate mortgage. I think most of their debt, they have to roll over within two years. And that's why this chart is going just completely parabolic where for someone with a 30 year fixed rate mortgage, it, it's not even going up. Here is where it gets counterintuitive, but this is one of the reasons why this article is so fantastic. In aggregate, higher interest rates are currently helping corporate borrowers. So you say, how, how is that even possible? Because they don't have a 30-year fixed rate mortgage. A lot of these people will have to roll over their debt. But the point here that they're making is that although it is true, a lot of their debt is two-year, three-year maturity, they were able to borrow like it was going out of style in 2020 and 2021 when interest rates were very low. And it said they did so because they were very concerned because there were a lot of economic storm clouds out there. The economies were shut down. The governments came, locked everyone in a cage. So if you're a corporation, obviously you want as much cash reserves as possible, even if that means borrowing uh, on like a two or three year note to get that cash in your bank account. And the point they're making is they were able to borrow at very, very low rates. They have not yet had to 
roll that debt over, which a lot of them will in 2024 and 2025. But in the interim, they're actually making quite a spread because think about this. Let's say they borrowed at 3% and they just held the cash. Okay, well, now they're getting paid, let's say 5% on a money market fund. Therefore, they're pocketing the 2% spread. That, that's not even free money. They're, it's like negative interest rates. They're getting paid to borrow. Now, of course, there's no free lunch. And when they have to roll over that debt, then it's going to be time to pay the fiddler. <laughs> but until that time, they've got this buffer. And this was, I thought was a very, very interesting insight. So here's another chart where you can see that rubber meets the road after, uh, in quite some time after, the Fed starts and even stops hiking interest rates. So this black line is Fed funds. This red line is U.S. non-financial corporate net interest cost. So percentage of post-tax profits. Ah, okay. And so this is its lowest at in 30 years. And it's I think it's because of the dynamics that we were talking about earlier. But what they're pointing out here, what Michael points out, is look at the, the pink shaded areas. That's when the Fed is raising rates. And the yellow shaded areas is when the corporate borrowing costs start to on net balance start to increase significantly. And you see this happens. Um, let's see, right here in 81, once the Fed started dropping rates, then we saw their borrowing costs actually go up. And it probably had to do with that time frame in which they are borrowing and then the time frame in which they had to roll over. It wasn't immediate. It's not like a, a line of credit where you're paying that higher interest rate every single month. They termed it out, not for 30 years, but maybe for two or three years, maybe even five years for some of them. And then you can see early 90s, we get the same thing. GFC, the same thing. After they start pausing, then the corporate entities really start feeling the pinch. So we should expect to see the same thing here, which is why, as Michael points out, we've got to really pay attention to this lag. And I know that's something that Adam talks about on his podcast very frequently, as well he should. Hey guys, I want to remind you to check out Rebel Capitalist Pro. This is the incredible online investment forum that I have with investment experts, Lynn Alden and Chris McIntosh. It includes professionals such as Patrick Ceresna from Macro Voices. He specializes in options. Tony Greer, commodity trading. Jason Hartman, real estate. And Brent Johnson with Macro Economics. If you want to build wealth and thrive in this world of out-of-control central banks and big governments, Rebel Capitalist Pro is the resource you need. So check it out today at georgegammon.com forward slash pro. That's georgegammon.com forward slash pro. We'll see you inside with the fellow rebel capitalists that are taking their investing to the next level. Next, they talk about individuals. The graph below shows the weighted average mortgage rate. Currently, mortgage rates are well over 7%, above 4% 
oh, excuse me, about 4% higher than the lowest rates seen in 2022, although I would, would say it's still lower than average, uh, despite sharp uh, going back, you know, 100 years. Despite the sharp increase, the weighted average rate has barely ticked up. And this goes back to the, the, that point they made earlier, which I, I, I get, but I kind of disagree with, where they're saying that it doesn't directly impact homeowners that have a super low rate and a fixed rate 30-year mortgage. Um, it, it only impacts them to the extent that the new buyers are what's impacting the price of the overall housing market because they're the ones that can or cannot afford the homes that are listed for sale. And as you guys know from watching my videos, all the prices are set at the margin. So it might not impact their monthly payment, but it definitely impacts or it could impact their home equity, which I would argue probably has more of an impact on their overall purchase, purchasing power. But then he points out here that existing home sales are at levels last seen during the depth of the financial crisis. And remember, this was a financial crisis that revolved around the real estate market and a real estate crash. So everyone looks at the, the prices Say, oh, well, nominal prices have gone down, but they haven't gone down that much. Right. And then they look at supply and they say, well, yeah, yeah, because we have no supply. We have no supply. We have no supply. Okay. But let's think about the demand side of the equation. We have historically low demand. So why is this important? Because if demand is way, way, way down here, GFC levels, which is unbelievably low. I, I didn't know that before Michael pointed it out. And then supply has to be just slightly lower. But what happens if there's just a small change to supply? Do you think demand is somehow going to go up? <laughs> Probably not, especially if we're in a recession. I'd argue how demand can go down. Now, it's true that if prices go down, you might see a little bit of a bump in, in, uh, in demand. But that all depends on what's happening with mortgage rates as well. And I, again, I would argue that going into a recession regardless of what's happening to interest rates or home prices, there's going to be a lot fewer buyers than there are right now. So if you just have a small tweak in supply for whatever reason, let's just say Airbnb, that could have a massive impact on home prices for the other 140 million homes that are not for sale and the other, let's say, 100 million homes out there that are owned with a 30-year fixed rate mortgage. And those aren't exact numbers. I'm just using them to illustrate the point. So now they go on to talk about auto payments. And we did a story on this, the subprime, just yesterday. Uh, you can check that out. I think Josh will probably put it in the playlist that we'll talk about at the end of this video. But uh, as such, and I'm reading from their article, about 15% of car owners will have to pay cash. Jeez. <laughs> or borrow at auto loan interest or high auto loan interest rates. Good luck. Now, at, at the low end, fine. Uh, like one of my best buddies from college has had his own car dealership for as long as I can remember. I mean, 20 years. And uh, he deals with cars that are pretty much between like a thousand bucks and like 5,000, something like that. Maybe a thousand and 10,000. So cheaper cars. So he gets cash buyers all the time. But show me the guy or gal that can go out there and buy your average used car or your average car period at, at, at with cash. I mean, your average car now costs like, I'm sure I'm probably even lowballing it, but I would guess maybe 20 grand, 25 grand. 
and probably more than that. <laughs> I don't even know. But who's who's got the 25 grand in cash? Good luck. Or they're going to have to borrow. Okay, fine. They borrow at, at what interest rate? 10, 12, <laughs> when they've been able to borrow at three. That's why I always tell this story, but, but it's so true. I remember in 2000, uh, what was it? Six or seven, something like that. I, you know, I was young and, and you start making a little bit of money and you want to drive a fancy car and whatnot. So I bought a Lamborghini and, uh, this was before Instagram, by the way. <laughs> so I was trying to show it off on Instagram. I just bought one cause I like fast cars, but anyway, I would occasionally drive this thing around and, uh, I, I never, ever, ever, ever saw one like, and this was in Scottsdale, by the way. Uh, this wasn't in rural Arkansas and I just never, ever saw it. Now you go to Scottsdale and you s literally see more Lamborghinis or just, let's just say $200,000 cars. than you see like Toyota Corollas <laughs> or like Ford F-150s. And it's like, what, how, how did this happen? Well, the reason it happened is because back in 2007 to, to, to buy that type of car, if you would have made payments, your payments would have been astronomical because the expense, the price of the car and of course the higher interest rates. But when interest rates are basically zero, well, sure. You know, your car payment is a lot cheaper and then you throw on stimmies and top of that. And there you go. You got everyone driving around in Lamborghinis, but that's just kind of an anecdotal story as to if it went that direction so quickly, as far as everyone owning Lamborghinis now, because the interest rates are so low, once this changes and these higher interest rates shift through the market, now all of a sudden, nobody can afford those types of cars and everyone has to go back to reality where they're driving around in the Toyota Corolla. But now prices are so high, they might not even be able to afford the Toyota Corolla. So I guess the main takeaway there is I know Ferrari is a publicly traded company. I would short the hell out of that. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Okay. Moving on down the article here. Therefore, card holders who do not pay the entire monthly balance. Okay, and now they're talking about credit card debt, which you guys know from watching my videos is just absolutely going parabolic. We went over, in fact, in a video yesterday, we went over that chart that just completely blew my mind where it showed the increase in savings going down, 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 down. And it is almost in lockstep inverse correlation between credit card debt going up, 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 up. And now people are going to have to start paying much higher interest rates. And oddly enough, even prior or during the Cervasa sickness, I remember doing whiteboard videos on this, even when rates were super, super low, credit card interest rates were literally at all-time highs because of the risk premium and because that's the only place that banks could make money. So I don't even want to know how high they're going to go now. So there you go. Huge shout out to the guys over at realinvestmentadvice.com. That's, I believe, Lance Roberts and Michael Leibowitz. I mean, you got to give them a golf clap for that article. Uh, those charts just really paint a very vivid picture. And I can't suggest checking out their website. Or if you want to hear Lance Roberts, you can hear him, I think, almost every Saturday with Adam on, on the podcast Wealthy. And you definitely got to check that out. All right, guys, enjoy the rest of your afternoon. As always, make sure that you're standing up for freedom, liberty, free market capitalism. And if you want to check out the most important recent news stories we have discussed right here on the Rebel Capitalist channel, Josh will put that up on a playlist. 
right about there. And we'll see you in the next video.